I just came back from the salon. And for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time <laughs> with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells un. Believable, Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze's other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Roe. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Roe Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash andysgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andysgirls. Sign up today. While you're listening to this episode, head on over to at Dame Galley on IG for a very exciting announcement about Andy's Girls. And I uh, would highly encourage that you subscribe to the pod if you haven't already, because you might get some surprises next week. Um, so head on over to IG for that. <laughs> I double mask my face, not my feelings. My kids might be sleeping through the night, but I still get tired of your bullshit. Abby is so good. <laughs> I, um, God, I, damn it. I had it right in the tip of my tongue. I have tongue. one for you. Do you want me to say? <laughs> oh, yes. Do the one for I'll her. do one for Vanessa. You might not find me in the kitchen, but trust me, I can handle the heat. <gasps> That's, I mean, perfect. Thank you, Abby. Yeah. That makes, that's very on brand for me, especially after my weekend activities, my Jen Aiden behavior. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, you guys, first and foremost, it's Andy's girls. It's episode 205. And now I just laugh when I say the number out loud because I'm pretty sure it's a lie. I'm lying. 
Um, but you guys, we just need to jump in. I need to introduce the guests. We were just chatting about Bravo merch and just life choices that we have made to represent the companies that we love best, uh, which will tie into a little giveaway I'll be announcing on the episode. And I just need to introduce them because I'm obsessed with them. Guys, it's Abby and Vanessa, a.k.a. Real Moms of Bravo. Woo! Oh, man, you can see I us love your energy, though. Sarah. I know. Like, <laughs> like, I Infectious. Thank you so much for having us. Um, if you're not familiar with our voices, I'm Vanessa. I'm Abby. <laughs> you guys, I just have to say, so we the first time you were on the People's People's Couch on AG was for our Galentine's Day episode, and you were both so good that I genuinely, like, I did, like, a little beep beep, like, ears perked and was like must have them on a solo episode ASAP because you were so insightful I love your Instagram account I don't have kids but I feel like an honorary spiritual auntie for sure you could say you're like a spiritual mom even we've had Ryan Bailey says he's a mom now I mean it happens he, I mean, you know what? And Sarah, you're such a big supporter of everyone. I feel like of this little Bravo community, you're the person that kind of brings us together and like with the forefront oh, yeah. of like positive initiatives and things like especially most recently Women's International Day or month, one of the two. It's we get we get a year. I mean, every day. single day, but you got us all together. Yes. And I think especially in the podcast space, I mean, we've talked a lot about it with Kate Casey is just really mm-hmm. amplifying and supporting all women's voices of all different backgrounds. So I'm here for it. So thank you for organizing that and having us on your show. Oh, my God, my pleasure. And thanks to you both. We have partnered and worked together to amplify each other but a larger group of people or bring voices into the mix that may not have been heard previously and I think it's so incredible and also you know just hearing when you guys put up stories and it's like mixing bravo with social awareness and also just your experiences and challenges and opportunities when it comes to parenting like I'm I'm not a parent I do have a lot of shoes that I'm a primary (laughs) caregiver for but I'm not actually a parent I've nannied before and I was a live-in nanny so I cared for a child 24 24 7 six days or five and a half days a week but I wasn't actually that child's parent and so listening and hearing both of you guys discuss your own experiences and also just providing information to the community I think is it's really important and it's also such a centerpiece for the housewives franchises I mean it became a huge plot point when Bethany joined the show because she wasn't a parent you know and that is sort of a minority of real housewives because the majority of them have kids and the question is like how do they parent? Are they even the primary caregiver for their children? Or is that somebody else playing that role? I mean, I think it's a fascinating conversation, let alone in 2021 during COVID time. So I have to say I'm so appreciative to you. And I just have to ask, when did the Instagram start? What was the inspo for it? And specifically it being about real moms, you know what I'm saying? But mixing Bravo in there. So we have talked Bravo our entire friendship. Um, Well, pretty much. So not to age ourselves dramatically, but OC premiered when we were in college. So it was really like a part of our, just our friends. We were watching it before we were going out, you know, like Housewives, which is, I don't know. There was something about it. We like just loved it. We were out after college at a happy hour and mentioning that we both really, really liked Bravo. And at that time, it just felt like it didn't have this cult following that it does have now. Mm -hmm. So we just continued always talking about it for like the last 10 plus years. And as we became moms, we got more into like following other Instagram accounts and podcasts. And there's so many great content creators out there in the Bravo space. But as we became moms, we realized it was hard sometimes to listen to all the podcasts we wanted to listen to because... We were, you know, raising children and, you know, not that other people aren't busy. It just our time shifted. And so we're like, you know, we should do this for other moms who want to know what's going on with Bravo, but only have 30 minutes once a week to do it. And that was kind of the 
the start of it. Vanessa really pushed us though. I was pregnant with my second at the time. I'm like, I don't think we should do a podcast. No, I don't have time for it. She's like, no, we're doing it. We're, we're doing this. I like uh, secured you- the handle at, like in August of 2019. Yeah. I secured the handles. Like we don't have any a plan yet, but November we're going to launch when you're ready after your baby. It's just I, I've realized as I've gotten older, if you want to do something, go for it. Like don't we've talked so much about it that I was like, you know what? Let's do it. If it fall, if we fall flat on our face and nothing comes of it, at least we did it. And it was a fun little thing story we can tell our friends. But here we are now talking to you. We've like connected with you and so many other people. And it's been um, a really fun thing. Yeah. So it's two and a half years old. It's the same age as my oh child. God, that's how that's I remember. That's incredible. And how has your viewing of Bravo changed at all during COVID or your attachment, the attachment parenting of it all with Bravo? Because you're working, you have your kids, the kids aren't in school, you know, in typical school mode where they leave the house for a couple hours and they come back. Has that changed at all? Not just how much time you watch Bravo, but the feeling you get in watching Bravo, the escape or connection of it all? We've joked that this pandemic and because we do work from home that we've been able to consume more TV, (laughs) more Bravo. So the beginning, yes, like our kids were home. Both of our kids are in daycare. We have younger ones. So I have a three-year-old and an eight-month-old and I had a baby sometime last year too. So that was the thing. (laughs) Yeah. And Abby has a almost four-year-old and two-year-old, three-and-a-half-year-old and two-year-old. Mazda uh-huh. as well. Thank you. So the beginning of the pandemic was rough. And also, remember, we didn't have, like, a ton of content for a minute. Like, the chatter was, oh, my gosh, like, what Bravo content are we going to have? So mm-hmm. once our lives kind of got in order, and, of course, when that happened, then I went into labor. But anyhow, once we got our lives in order, um, working from home and with our scheduling, we were able to fit in more TV. I mean, it, it saved us in a way, and this is unique to our situation, but it's given us more time to collaborate with people like you, um, just finding time during the day um, to connect in Bravo and to answer your one of your original questions. It's been a total escape. I think in terms of how I connect with the brand and the shows, I think especially during a pandemic, like watching Summer House and people act stupid. I remember the last season of Summer House was the beginning of the pandemic and that was such a bright Mm -hmm. spot of just watching people act Mm -hmm. stupid especially when I was pregnant at the time like it's so far removed from the life that life stage I'm in right now but I'm here to watch it and cheer it on and encourage bad behavior because it's entertaining for me I do think there were times though and I think for Bravo it's going to be tough going forward, especially now, like we're in a space where there's such a mixed view on how comfortable people are. Like even with the vaccination, there's some who still feel like they should stay home. Others are like, I've done this for over a year. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's just such a wide spectrum. I do feel like in the beginning when Bravo, you know, had the shows that had the pandemic happening, because they were lucky enough that some had already, you know, finished filming before the pandemic hit. The reunion. Yeah. yeah, so there was the reunion piece of it. But for me, watching OC felt emotionally triggering because it was like watching the beginning of the pandemic while we were still living the pandemic. And mm-hmm. it was weird because you're like, oh, that was nine months ago, but my life hasn't changed. Like, So for some shows, I feel like the way I viewed it, it, it was hard to watch. And I continued watching because I'm like, I don't know. There's something about us Bravo's fans, even when it's like a bad season, we're going to watch religiously and tell Bravo how much we think it's horrible, but we still view it. But for me, like OC was one where I really struggled. There's been times with Atlanta, like the wedding. I'm just like, oh my God. I just, it's like, I'm sorry. I know that's a life event, but like, I didn't see, like, I haven't didn't see my in-laws for an entire year because of this, but you had a 200 person wedding. Like, I just, I don't know it that there are, different lenses in which you view it. But like Potomac for me was like a complete uh, escape. I thought, um, I mean, even parts of Southern Charm, I they did okay with the, the pandemic. Some parts, not so much, but the it reunion is, I think, gave us life. Yeah, the reunion. <laughs> it was just, uh, I even think about like the Atlanta Zoom reunion, groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. It was great. But I do, I mean, I'm curious to see, I mean, did you feel like when you were watching it, there was like different lenses for each season just based on where we were? 
Yeah, I feel like it really depends on the vibe for the cast. So I didn't watch this past season of Orange County, not because I'm participating in a boycott because I'm not, but just because the Kelly of it all, I would have been so distracted and it's like managing anxiety. It would have made me anxious. And it feels like during this time, if there's anything that I can eliminate that might be a trigger that I know will, that I'm very confident will be a trigger and it's not producing any kind of reward with the trigger where you'll, I like sacrifice my soul for 10 to 15, you know, it, I just couldn't do it. If Kelly does not come back to Orange County next season, which nobody knows, I would a hundred percent consider watching it at that point. But I, and I also felt and said this openly on AG, if you want to watch it, go for it. If it's going to bring you any joy, you know, go for it. Anything that makes you feel good or an escape or makes you think or provides discomfort that you're comfortable with because discussing someone else's bad behavior can distract us from like our own circumstances, do it. Um, when it comes to the franchises, it, it's really show specific. Like I thought that Southern Charm was going to be extremely triggering because so many of them, the cast members are garbage and are to me like not believers in the reality. But then I started to watch it and I was like into it. I was like into the drama and I felt like it was a distract distraction. Jersey, I feel like sometimes they're like, there's this thing happening and otherwise they're just shooting the shit and I am having the time of my life right now watching New Jersey. It really just depends on the show. It, it also is like, I just want to feel something that's not angst and Bravo provides that for me even during times in which I feel it because I can discuss it in this other language. So I feel like I've made a lot of concessions. I think I was a lot angrier and expressive about that anger earlier on and maybe it's because we've gotten so much content that I've I've kind of been able to turn that into some other kind of energy as a result I don't know if that makes any sense or answers no that no it does it absolutely makes sense I think it's good too you talked about like knowing your different triggers which like not to get like deep and stuff but I do think like oh this is the pod yeah Yeah, yeah. I mean I just think like that is like such a good self-awareness that maybe some people have been able to find in COVID because they have been like alone and like that alone can I keep saying alone, but that could be a trigger just being by yourself and knowing that. So maybe it's like doing more zooms and finding more ways to be interactive with people. But I think there's also certain shows that can be extremely triggering as well. And that might not have triggered you the same way pre pandemic. And I just think it's really good for people to recognize it and not to feel like, Oh, I have to watch it because I always watch OC. Like if it's not going to be healthy for you, don't do it. Do you think that Orange County was the show for you that pre-pandemic or if the pandemic hadn't existed, you wouldn't have felt as triggered by, but because their poor behavior was like dangerous, that was maybe true? Or was there another show that you felt like was especially hard to watch right now, which may be related to COVID and it might not be, you know what I'm saying? Like it might just be somebody be acting so poorly that you're like, oh, I just can't do this right now. I don't have capacity for it. I mean, Orange County was the one I really hate watched. I mean, we mainly watched to support Bronwyn because we have a friendship with her and wanted to support her throughout her journey. Um, but it was just bad. It was, I think, if anything, the shows that are, have aired and filmed during the pandemic, it really shows the gaps in friendships and authenticity. Mm-hmm. And to me, OC, aside from, you know, there's, you have the Kelly Dodd thing, you have Bronwyn's journey, all of it. You have people, <laughs> the rest of the cast, and... Mm-hmm. Who are all essentially in a... Elizabeth, yeah. who, <laughs> Elizabeth, who Elizabeth, who I forgot yeah. about, honestly, until just, like, thinking about it right now, who's a new oh housewife who might have been in, like, a cult or was in some sort of a cult... It just felt really disjointed and really forced. And we committed to it and watched it. But that, for me, was the main one that I really hate watched. Um, Atlanta, like Abby said, like the 200-person wedding. um, But that alone, that's his own separate podcast. But um, I did enjoy the, you know, discussing Breonna Taylor and the social injustice and the Black Lives Matter movement and getting that perspective top of the pandemic with Marlo um, making lighthearted jokes like jokes of stuff we're living in with the face shields and being six feet apart and all everything like that um, but other than that I mean really OC was the one that was really hard for me to watch 
OC was like multi-layers, I think was the problem. It was people like Kelly Dodd, kind of at the center of all the problems though, of all the different layers. But I mean, you have somebody who's acting like this is like a joke, that it's a hoax, that, I mean, she did say this is God thinning the herd, which like what a slap in the face to every person who lost somebody and you know and that's half a million and god yeah like don't speak for <laughs> right. me i don't remember our zoom yeah, session exactly right? but like that's half a million people i don't think that's thinning the herd that i mean so just that alone but then you have like all of the kind of the race comments where she like got on you know the reunion and said she was black and i just felt like that hit so many different layers consistently in every episode where i look at like even a southern charm which had definitely some moments of triggering responses as far as like racial injustice goes and moments where people weren't taking it seriously. It just wasn't consistently like multi-layered triggering. And even, I mean, you can put Atlanta in that category based on, you know, Kenya wearing the headdress and, you know, for Native Americans and the whole not taking COVID seriously. But I think for me, it was just like every single episode on OC, there were just so many problematic things happening that it it just was like very, very hard to watch. Oh, a thousand percent. And let's be real, like most reality stars are problematic. Like we watch them it's for that reality. reason. Yeah. I mean, they're on TV. They're no one's perfect. And Abby and I talk about this all the time. We're not about cancel culture. We're just about accountability and just having open discussions. That's why I appreciated on Southern Charm, like Austin and Leva having a moment and talking about race. And it was mm-hmm. honest and felt genuine. And it didn't feel like, ooh, taboo, or I'm calling you out. It was like, hey, this is my perspective. And he's like, oh, thank you for sharing that. Like, I, I want to see more of that. I don't I don't necessarily want people to be, you know, quote, canceled, because I don't think we're going to evolve and grow. No, I just want yeah. accountability. Yeah, there are human Just accountability. <laughs> just yeah. own your right. shit and say, hey, what I said was really fucked up. And I understand now that it was wrong. And I'm going to step back and listen and educate myself and, you know, prove it through my actions. That's all I think any of us want. But I don't think for a second our reality stars are, you know, the Mother Teresas of the world. I mean, we have Teresa ingredients Judice for, I mean, we love her for her, the way she misspeaks and different things. She's no, by no means a perfect person. But anyhow. Or even like Sonia, like she's problematic on a different level. <laughs> But I think there's just, like, there's these, like, I don't know. I'm not to say that, like, drinking is, like, a fun. But, like, you know, there are different layers and levels to it. And I feel like uh, for some cast members, it's a little bit more forgivable or easier to watch because it, it has a little bit more of an entertaining factor to it. I mean, even Ramona, to me, how she, like, will criticize people for not having, you know, staff in the guest house that are going to unpack her suitcase and hang everything up for her. Or she forces these people to do it. It's terrible, but it's also kind of like, oh, my God, people like that still are out there and exist. It's just, I think that's part of the reason why we tune in. I also think on a franchise like New York, which is so old school in so many of all of the worst ways, like I live on the Upper East Side, not that part, a little closer to the (laughs) East River than Park Avenue, but um, it's, Ramona represents a very, very old guard of a certain segment of women. They all look identical and not necessarily like an in They all look slightly smudged. They all look like some sort of, you know, like uh, Gretchen Rossi's favorite filter. Like it's not all face there, but there's something happening. You're talking to something somewhere. Um, But, you know, looking at the trailer, which just came out this week, it's so fascinating to me that we have Ebony now who is calling her out on things that she says that are problematic from um, the perspective of, you know, classism and elitism alone, let alone othering people based on classism, elitism, and maybe something else. It's interesting to see that finally New York, which is, you know, a fave of many, many Bravo viewers, or at least in the top two, I feel like a lot of people flip back and forth between New York and Potomac, that we're now getting a sense that New York is kind of catching up to the times in a way that other franchises have maybe already been. I'm so we watched the trailer and Abby and I have talked about this. We were both underwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Listen, I'm excited for Ebony. 
but I the only reason why like I have hesitancy and feel underwhelmed is because what we've always loved about New York over the years is that there was always been a genuine friendship among all the women and aside from Leah, I think, and Ebony have a connection, maybe, maybe not, and Burn Sean. I just hate when people, like, are plopped in, and then it's like, okay, now drama. Like, chess piece, like, you guys don't know each other, so you're going to fight about X, Y, Z. So I, I hope there it feels a little authentic. And, I mean, the women, Lou, Sonia, Ramona, I mean, they'll always bring something because they are who they are, and they're usually consistent season over season, but... I just hope in watching that it feels like not disjointed. I mean, that was the thing with New York that's similar to Jersey in some ways. Maybe Jersey has been a little bit more organic with some of the casting choices. And it just so happens like fortune has fallen upon them that Jackie and Melissa and, you know, Marge get along so well. And Jen Eden came in and she and Tree definitely click. It, it is a little bit tougher on New York and maybe that also has to do with the society of it all that these women like to dance in the little pool of being a name and going to the event and what table are you going to be seated at and god I'm going to kick you to the side because I want to be with these people so that when I go to St. Bart I'm like at you know club 55 or whatever the fuck it is like there is an intention there it's sort of like the business of friendship plus the evolution of friendship which can only come with a substantial amount of time like when Ramona and Sonia fight and they're like well, I've known you for 15 years or 20 years or something that adds a lot of uh importance and weight to these fights Dorinda and Ramona screaming at each other it's like they can do a callback and say well I remember before you know Richard died blah 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 and that's something that not a lot of franchises have but I do also think that like all of these women together living uptown with people leaving the show or being told that they're leaving the show, I think that they did need a little bit of a refresh. I don't know how this is going to work. I do think that Leah coming in is important because I think that she will, and it seems like she has developed real a real close friendship with Ebony. And so the hope is that this creates something else. Like maybe it'll be the group of the women who've been together 20 years who give a shit about where they're seated at Cipriani and then this other amazing new group I don't know it's it's a really good point um and I guess we're just gonna see I mean it was I was like a little underwhelmed when I, I mean we're but, gonna um, watch as like Abby said <laughs> earlier course. like as Bravo fans we're the first to call out all the things we don't like and worry about but then we eat it all up still I mean we're gonna watch we're still gonna love I'm still gonna love Sonia really hoping she doesn't um a horrible season I don't care for Ramona, but she does entertain me. So, like, I'm I'm going to watch. I think they're testing out, too, what it's going to be like to kind of, like, transplant people in who aren't part of an organic circle. Because it hasn't gone great for Beverly Hills, where they try to just kind of push these people in. They don't last very That's long. It's pack mentality. Yeah. They isolate the newbie and try to kick them to the curb. And... I think, though, like, I look at some of these shows and, like, not to sound like ageist at all, but when these shows started, I mean, some of them have been around for 10, 12, 13 years. They were parenting teenagers. They were parenting young right. kids. Now they're grown up and they're empty nesters. And I'm not saying that's not entertaining or not, you know, there's not a spot in reality TV for that. But the heart of Housewives was really them being housewives. So I think trying to get, like, a younger group in and transplanting some of these women who aren't part of like the circle is a test and a pilot to see can we do this in other franchises where it's time to start phasing out the OGs as much as it kills me to think about some of these OGs not being on a series I mean Ramona can't say she hasn't had plastic surgery and she's using ageless forever you know she's in her 60s you know there just comes a time where I don't know like to me the the chapter has to close and I think this is a a test um, to see if it works can they slowly do it with other franchises I wish they hadn't taking the risk on Roni. Um, but I do think it's going to be interesting. And I'm excited to see more diversity on Roni. It's just, I wish it would have been nice if it could have like somehow worked in the circle. But I think, I think it'll be good in the long run. I do think, and I, I was yeah. just going to say, I do think Atlanta and Potomac do a really great job in terms of different age mm-hmm. and life stages. Cause Karen mm-hmm. has grown children um, Robin has younger children, but they still kind of mesh and do well. Candace doesn't have any kids. 
Um, so I, I definitely think there can be, it's just all in the energy of the cast. And then Atlanta, I mean, we have the aunties and the nieces and it's entertain. I mean, it's entertaining and they kind of know it and get it. But to Abby's point, like Roni's really never done that. I guess Tinsley was kind of that a little bit and Bethany, but they're, I don't know. It's not consistent. I mean, the Karen Huger of it all is a really interesting point because I think that's an example of the age not being the priority, the storyline counting. So, you know, the idea of this show, including Housewives, has changed so drastically. I mean, is anybody on New York currently married? I don't. I don't think, think so. so. I don't know about Ebony's relationship status, but the returning Housewives, nobody is. So New York is really different for a variety of reasons. I like a, an idea of different generations. I also acknowledge that it were 15 years in with Orange County. It, it to me, didn't make sense for Vicky to continue <laughs> at a certain point because she didn't have any story left. Like, it's not because she's become a woman of a certain age because I love a woman. It's because we've seen this story for 15 seasons. She still kept her job and she lied about cancer. Like, we have given her a lot of allowances <laughs> because she was such an important part of the show. It just so happens that with time, you might not have organic storylines. And if all you're left with are specific conflicts that we've already seen, like toodaloo, you know, it's, I think it is time for refresh. And it's also, I think a great reason why they put Dorinda quote unquote on pause, you know, because I do think absolutely Dorinda is going to come back. But if over time you're not acknowledging some stuff that's happening that people want you to work on so you don't live in like this dark space someone is going to make that choice for you and it's going to affect your role on the show you know it's story matters and a part of that story is who is the person that you are and the person that you want other people to experience I think it's and it's not always great I think it's a good point it's not maybe not so much the age it's just the story and where you're at in life. Cause Karen to me is one of the most interesting housewives. Oh my God. A plus plus superstar. Yeah. I love and, Karen Huger. Like, and like you said, my like heart her, just yeah. got so warm by hearing her name. <laughs> and her glow up. I oh like. my gosh. Love she's... Karen Huger. But I just, I mean, she's entertaining. No. It's like the sense of humor. It's a whole package, but everything you're saying, it's not her age necessarily. Yeah, but like Ramona, there's, I don't think there's much story left with Ramona. Even if she fell in love and met a guy, I'm like, well, we've, like, I don't know. I just feel like, and that's how I felt with Vicky. Like, she got engaged and people are like, oh, she's doing that to have a storyline. Like, to me, an engagement isn't necessarily a storyline. Story. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's why 53 slash 54 Cent was really nerve. I mean, there's an argument there that the reason that the wedding happened was because she was thinking to herself, what else do I have if this doesn't happen? It doesn't mean that it was a good idea or safe. And one should probably take pause when your fiance is saying that they're not super thrilled about it. But and what I you know, really wish it hadn't happened, but I think it did enlarge in some part because she wanted the storyline and we saw Peter, you know, the Peter journey and she wanted the audience to see her win. It just so happens that she put winning, the idea of winning ahead of safety for 250 people plus production because I don't know if the cast in attendance quarantined for two weeks after before they picked up the camera and said let's roll I don't think that happened but who knows I mean it's tough to watch that and tough to see that look in her eye where no matter how many times she says we took all the precautions because we had hand sanitizer and temperature checks and you know we could have asked people to get tested but we felt like that was like too much to ask but we took all the precautions I mean sweetie spoiler alert your wedding is a big part of the show I just don't know if it's worth the pushback that she's getting let alone safety yada yada <laughs> I can't wait to see the reunion because I you know that's going to be come up and that's I mean gonna Andy's going to big... call her out I mean a lot of viewers are going to have lots of questions on that and I think she's just going to do the I, I don't know I don't know if she would even 
say that like I would do it a, a different way. I don't know that she believes it, but it's also like you wanted the dream wedding. You're never going to get it during a pandemic because everything is going to get fucked up. Stuff won't arrive on time because you're getting things mailed during a pandemic with like a defunded postal <laughs> system. Like this isn't going to get you on time. Shit's not going to fit. People are going to, you know, change uh, plans, travel, whatever, because it's in a pandemic. If you wanted a smoother ride, you should have waited several months, if not a year. Then you would have had the wedding of your dreams. I just don't know if you would have been on TV. Not that I think this couple is like hashtag goals by any means. I do like them, but I think they've had a, a colorful past in their relationship. But Amanda and Kyle, I give them a lot of credit. I mean, they joke that they've moved their wedding date four times now, potentially. But, and you know, I think it's, I don't know, I think it's commendable that they've like keep pushing it back because to them it's important to have a wedding. I know they said on Watch What Happens Live, I think they're getting to the point where they might just do a backyard wedding because I love a they, wedding. I know. It's so romantic. Because they just don't want to wait. Save your cash. Yeah. Honestly. I did the big ballroom wedding. I loved it. Um, but for me, that's kind of like what I always wanted. And yeah, of I have a large family. So I knew that like mm-hmm. if I did just family, we're going to be around like a hundred ish people. Why not wow. just double it and have some 100 friends there too? But, yeah. I mean, to each their own type of thing. So I do get those who are like, I really want the big wedding. But, I mean, I'm kind of like you, wait. Or It was also know, her like, third wedding. Yeah. Was it her? Th- no, I don't think she was married to. Um, oh, oh no, it was her second. second. Oh, okay. Yeah. So well, she and I'm just Peter, <laughs> they well, it was like they third significant that we know a third significant yeah. relationship with. Some, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because she never, she kind of got married to Peter, but then they redid it because they were like broke. Oh, if you're counting the vow renewal, yeah, absolutely. Third. Yeah, third in an honorary fourth. Yeah. Yes. So there we go. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like you said, this isn't like her first wedding, and she, she hasn't had. A chance I have a to lot try more empathy for people like first time being a mom, first time getting mm-hmm. married. Like I have a little bit more empathy um, because those are special moments in your life and they should be celebrated. And this pandemic has derailed that. How do you, that. How, how do you feel about um, the ways in which Kenya is experiencing her motherhood journey and navigating being a essentially a single parent because Brooklyn's dad is in another state and trying to handle all of this without having a village of her own, you know, that Portia has, that Candy has. And Portia and Candy both have, you know, co-parents who are there every day. You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you, how are you watching that and, and reacting and experiencing you know, what she's saying and and the ways in which she might be using some of it as a little bit of a shield. You know, Kenya, I think, I think all the women in Atlanta are incredible mothers. And I think Brooklyn has softened Kenya. I always say that motherhood has a way of softening the hardest, harsh, harshest people. And I, I do think it's softened her. I do think she's very protective of her daughter and watching her, I feel for her, you could tell she so desperately wants to make that relationship work because she doesn't want to have a broken home. She wants her kid to have kind of like that fairy tale ending. I sense a lot from watching her. I just sense a lot of protection. I do think she's a bit guarded. It's really interesting. Her whole dynamic with Mark and Nini mentioned and said it, wrapped it up first, um, I forgot the nickname she gave Ken. Ken Ken is coming out. I mean, it's true. Ken, like she seemed very like submissive to Mark and like wasn't the strong, confident, you know, clap back woman. But um, I also get a sense that it's really hard for Kenya to ask for help. And I do think in motherhood, you'd have to. It's really, it's really hard, but it's, it's much easier to give into it and let people support you and lift you up, whatever that may look like. But I've I've enjoyed watching her as a mom. I've honestly have enjoyed, really enjoyed watching all the Atlanta women as moms. That's been something, Abby and I, we've talked a lot about it on our show. Even when people are like, this season of Atlanta, blah, I find myself really enjoying it because it's, it's very similar in the life stages that I'm in. Um, so I relate to it. Abby, do you, what do you, do yeah, you think? Yeah, I think I sympathize with Kenya because I think she's trying to 
to do it all. And uh, I know I felt this way. It's like, I'm going to try to do everything. And in doing that, everyone gets like 30% of me instead of just being like, okay, in this moment, I'm going to give my kid 100%. But then later at the bachelorette party, I'm going to give the women 100%. Like, I think she's just trying to do everything. When she said she was bringing Brooklyn with her, but she was going to have a nanny there, I was like, oh, maybe they'll stay in another, like, house. And she can, you know, like, because it was just more of that separation anxiety. But when I realized that it was in the same house, I was more thinking for her, like, she needs a break. She needs to not have to be part-time mom, part-time attending a bachelorette party. And so I think for me, it was more like, I just felt bad for her because I felt like, oh, you really need a break. And it's so hard to do it, but she should have just... Like my advice to her would have been just let Brooklyn stay home with the nanny and and you'll be okay. Maybe you cut the short, like the trip a little short for yourself. Not because I think it's bad she brought a baby to a bachelorette party by any means. It was more just, I felt like she didn't get to let loose. And I think she, she needs it more than she realizes because she's doing so many things and she's trying so hard to do all the things. But I think as single moms, you do have to wear more hats and I haven't been a single mom, but I just... I've parented alone for a weekend and that was enough for me to realize that like we weren't meant to do this as just one person. And so I feel for her, but I think she needs to learn to kind of let the people around her pick up some of the slack so she can just really enjoy all the moments that she's in. And I also think she's isolated herself against so many of these women. There's so many, there's some like long term simmering tension, frustration, competitiveness anger with Kenya and Portia and then I watch this scene with Kenya and Latoya and you see the look in Kenya's eyes where she realizes she made a bad pick in this scene of the two of them together and especially at the end when Toya is essentially just existing to bait another person which she came in seemingly to do from the start. She was performing disrespect because I think she thought it would be entertaining in a way that like removes her of any kind of interest to me because she is now just a caricature of a person. And yet this is who Kenya decided to share info with not only someone who she's hearing was sharing that info with people who Kenya doesn't trust, but also who is quite visibly in front of in front of her and other people being really just trash when it comes to how she was treating the other women in the cast, especially a, her other friend of Fallon. I mean, yeah, I, I thought it was a really interesting look. Just looking at it through the eyes of Kenya, who obviously has been in well-deserved, you know, hot water this week for the extreme cultural appropriation, um, which she, which a lot of people held her accountable for, um, and she has apologized online. Uh, that's not an apology for me or any white people to accept. That is not up to us. I am thankful that she took responsibility on her social media channel because that's something that most of these housewives don't do. But um, it was kind of fascinating to watch Kenya like open up to someone and then see that look in her eyes of like, oh my God, this is the person that I chose. I think it happens to her a lot. Like I feel like there's some like deep hurt there because you think you just think about the history of like Kenya and every person that she's kind of really picked to be in her corner has kind of betrayed her in one way or another. And so I'm like, I think you, when you like, you're right. You completely see this look on her face. Like, Oh my God, like I did it again. But I have to like wonder why in Kenya's mind when she befriends someone, it's kind of with the intent of like just pulling one other person into her corner and then like fighting against everyone else. Like, why is it that she can't, we're seeing it with Marlo now, now that she's like gravitating to Marlo and then previews, Marlo's going to start fighting with the other women. It's like, there's something about Kenya where she can't, she just can't do group dynamics. I think she's like one of those people that just wants like one best friend and that's it for her life. I also Um, think she just holds a really hard grudge. Mm -hmm. And I think as we get older, I mean, yes, people can evolve and grow and change a little bit, but like who you are at your core, like if she's holding grudge 
I mean, I, I would imagine she's going to be like that forever. I feel like she's been, um, you know, people have crossed her in different ways in her life that it's hard for her to look past it and get over it. But I just don't see her as easygoing, like forgiving. Let's go with it, you know? I mean, we see that with her and Marlo. Like it took how many seasons before those two could actually have a pleasant conversation in the room. And I feel like Housewives is ultimately really revealing. Like, look at what we're watching on Dallas right now. You know, the Brandy experience season one was pretty superficial. The poop hat of it all, the whatever else. And now we're getting into this other dynamic that I think is really interesting and problematic and unfortunate in her conversations with Deandra, where, you know, they're, I think Deandra's kind of spot on and challenging her in the moment and saying I feel like you are shaming me and here are examples of exactly why I feel like that is um, antithetical to how you yourself have behaved on this show like what about the medium what about this other stuff explain to me why I am not being as pure a Christian as you seem to believe I should be like where's the mirror to your own life experiences um what did you think about you know that the sort of reveal of the the nuance and sort of problematic layers when it comes to some of these women on Dallas who are being very revealing this season for better or worse I think we're seeing a lot of different sides of the women of Dallas um good and bad I mean I was shocked that no one kind of gravitated to Tiffany's corner when Brandy basically said, you make me feel guilty because you're Asian. It's like, wait, like I love Tiffany's response. Like your issue with me being Asian is your problem. I can't change that. And I don't want to change that. So I think we're seeing, you know, some of that. Um, but we're also, yeah, I think we're seeing a really bad side of Brandy. I think she's so desperate to save her reputation, to find another group that the way she thinks to go about doing it is to come across as this like, almost like born again Christian. I've never heard her talk so much about Christ and Jesus and the Bible as this season. And I'm someone who's actually like a, a more religious than the average Joe, I would say. Um, but that being said, like, I feel like everyone can kind of define what, what their religion is for them. And she, like, it was weird for me that she was going after Deandra because she felt like she was being a bad, like a bad Christian. And she's like, as your sister in Christ, I need to let you know this. I was like, well, if you really were her sister in Christ, you would have pulled her aside and said like, I feel bad or I've been praying for you. But instead she put it to an entire group to shame her. I don't know. It was just, to me, I just feel like, and I know that's the whole point of Housewives, right? That let's do everything in the group setting. Everybody needs to see it. But it just seems like Brandy she, there's a couple, she's trying to save herself and she's also trying to make others look bad, hoping she looks less bad and she makes the decisions for herself so if brandy is concerned that the demon is now going to paperless post she shouldn't have gone to this thing that in the best of terms when it comes to language would have been defined as a spiritual night of fun or something you know it wasn't just like a shoot the shit I, they were told to wear certain things. You know, you walk in, you know in advance, production has yada yada. Am I to assume that she didn't specify in advance that she was uncomfortable with this because she may not have known, but how is, in Deandra's words, this any different from other things that one could red flag as well? It It was... A weird way of trying to take control of the narrative of being focused on her own spiritual journey by ensuring other people are on the exact same road. Well, and let's be honest, the shaman is a hairdresser turned shaman. It's not like, you know, I mean, like, come on, this was not like truly in my mind. I didn't feel like this was probably a spiritual awakening for most of them. They were giggling. They were trying to like, you know, support Deandra, but when Brandy, you know, brought up the demons and the out-of-body experience, I was like, I just don't think Darren, the extension guy, is having an out-of-body experience for anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a tough 
I mean, and Deandra, you know, went on Clubhouse this past week, I want to say, and um, I could only attend it, like, honestly, a half second of it. But I heard after that she was very emotional. She was talking about her relationship with her mother and her mother's relationship with production um, and how that might have informed some of Mama D's reveal, that it was because Mama D was allegedly upset about not getting enough camera time that she was like let me bring up this thing which is an additional layer of complication in their dynamic which i um said with dylan hafer on a clubhouse we did last week was very much like um a gypsy roses turn moment for any musical theater heads where it was like you know like it was very much like mama t was like camera two yes <laughs> turn to the left i mean it was difficult but it's also i feel like these are examples of really nuanced conversations and i'm appreciative that in this moment they're not in the narrative of like targeting targeting and isolating you know dr tiff you know i'm like at least thankful for that i mean even though i'm like brandy what the fuck <laughs> well and i think this is kind of like the evolution of a franchise and housewives like the first couple seasons are kind of light surface level drama you have people being like i don't like you because you didn't invite me to this and i didn't invite you to this because i think you're trashy and like i mean that to me is a little bit more surface level and now i mean like the fact that i mean brandy basically is telling deandra she thinks she's probably going to hell because she's trying to like address the demons and the spirits in her life i'm like this we're we've come a long way from the poop hat and like she also referenced at the party, you know, like during this time, I was like, "Are you bringing COVID?" <laughs> Brandy, like, really, what exactly is Deandra responsible for? Watch, like what? Brandy to me is just watching her, and I've liked her in previous seasons. Like uh, she's like a fireball shot girl. Like I, I can really relate to that part. But she to me just seems like someone who didn't want to film has hasn't figured clearly hasn't figured out her own shit and is just literally throwing every type parts of herself to a wall and seeing like what sticks. You know, like I remember for one of Carrie's was it Carrie's birthday or was her birthday? Brandy's birthday. I mean she's on the table dancing and like booty popping and it's like hey let's take shots which is okay I mean that's fine but then for her to like be so hypocritical it's um I don't know I do wish and I'm not caught up on this week's episode but I do wish that uh Stephanie would have a sit down with her and just say listen like I got your back but like from an optics perspective this is bad. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why. I still love you and support you, but this is bad. And, you know, if you need me, I'm here to listen. I'm here to help you. I'm here to guide you. But I'm here to tell you as your good friend that you are in the wrong because of X, Y, Z. It is possible that Stephanie doesn't see it as bad. I mean, she had that confessional where she was holding Brandy accountable. But judging by some of the confessionals we've seen in the last week, I'm not entirely sure that these are the feelings of these people as much as they are somebody helping them with what would be helpful for the narrative of that episode to provide a little bit of pushback that just so happens to come several months later. You know, where it's like, we're not going to discuss this thing in the moment. And it might be because Stephanie didn't want to make her feel bad in front of a group of people. It might also be that Stephanie didn't agree that it was bad, Well, you know, or that she didn't agree it was so bad as to call out her friend, even doing so separately. And who knows when the time, like you said, the timing of these confessionals, maybe Brandy said to Stephanie, look, I'm leaving. I'm out. So Stephanie was like, okay, to save myself and my like the way I look I'm gonna have to take a different stance because if you're gone like tip you know I think maybe they saw a few episodes and Brandy realized she was in her mind she'll probably say getting bad edits but I mean how do you edit what really happens yeah. I love when they say that oh I got a bad edit it's based on footage guys yeah I'm like they're not you said it yeah yeah but, you know, if, I mean, I'm sure Brandy saw the writing on the wall. It's like, I'm going to leave. I'm not going to do the reunion. I'm going to get out before people can come at me. And, I mean, Stephanie's a smart cookie. She might have said, okay, I've got to save myself. And I'm, or maybe she didn't. I don't know. I'm speculating. But I do think you, you see different viewpoints with all of them during the confessional. So there has to be a point where maybe some of them realize Brandy was out. 
watching, turning a little bit to the experience of watching New Jersey this week, which to me was one I couldn't get enough of. I was incredibly <sighs> fulfilled on several levels. Um, what do you think of, you know, Jackie's behavior this season and, and trying to take on Teresa and the dynamic between them? Where do you find yourself on that the Jersey spectrum? I think Teresa was wrong in sharing that rumor and not even telling Jackie and pulling her aside, especially everything that she experienced personally with Juicy Joe and Kim D. And I mean, she's been in that position before. I also think Jackie shouldn't have used Gia as an example. Mm-hmm. I Even though it was an analogy, I think the way she delivered it was not I just don't think you should mention any other kids names really is where I had an issue with it I think it's fair to say like hey what if there were rumors that your brother's cheat there's there were other ways to get the point across in my opinion um but I do give Jackie props for standing up for herself she and not backing down I mean I had like chills when she said did you get that what did she said, did you get that confidence in jail? Like, I was like, oh, Jackie. Um, and she <laughs> says it, like, so stone cold, like, so straight-faced. And Teresa goes, like, from zero to 60. And it's it's fascinating to me to watch. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know that I, I, I tend to side a little bit more with Jackie. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, at this point, I'm really, like, team... I, taking words from mixing with Monty team table or whatever team, table <laughs> team table yeah, right now. Yeah. Like at this point, at this point, I'm just kind of like ready to move past it. I will say last thing I'll say before. And then Abby, you share your thoughts. I do think the way Jackie is reacting, I think how you react to something can make people feel like there could be truth to it. I don't w- mm-hmm. want to think there's truth to it, but the more attention you give to something, the more life you're going to give it. And I feel like she's kind of done herself a disservice in that way. Um, I can't say how I would react in that situation, but if if you nothing really happened, I would just try to let it roll off your back, you know? Um, so Abby has a really good theory on that dynamic. Oh, oh, I oh Jackie and Evan? Well, this was based off of blind, so it's not totally like I did not, you know, just pop this into my head and think of it. But there were some blinds circulating that there was a housewife whose husband cheated on her several years ago, that the whole town knew about it, that they have moved past it, that they like really don't discuss it and that like they've moved on. I wonder if that is Jackie and Evan. And I will say I love Jackie so, and I love Evan. I don't want this to be them. But my gut tells me that he might have cheated several, 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 several years ago. And that maybe it did impact his career because she brings that up a lot. This could ruin his career. This could ruin our lives. So, I mean, maybe there was something where like they like kind of saw what could happen. And since then, he's only become more successful. Um, but also Teresa bringing it up just opened old wounds and you know maybe like Evan now you know went back to like feeling guilty and trust issues and all the things that I would imagine a couple goes through when there is an infidelity is now being like brought back up and that's why Jackie was so upset by it I will say I love that Jackie is going after Teresa and I kind of want her to keep elevating it because as I may be like team table with like the centerpiece maybe a little bit more on Jackie's side (laughs) But that being said, I'm like, you know what? No one's ever really truly tried to take Teresa down and been not like I want her to be fired or anything, but it feels like Teresa always gets the pass. And when she's like, I think you treat people like shit. And Jennifer's like, oh, you've never done it to me. And Dolores is like, no, you've never done it to me. I think Teresa just thought everyone else at the table was going to be like, no, you're a great friend. We love you. And Marge is like, well, you told someone to pull my hair. And Melissa's like, you called me a stripper. Like, I loved it. I'm like, oh, my God, finally people are like, no, Teresa, you're not like this perfect little, like, lovable goofball that can just say things and it's not like there's no consequences or, like, repercussions from it. So I'm kind of excited that Teresa, who has seemingly been almost untouchable for all these seasons, is now kind of have to face the music a little more. 
I mean, this is what everybody's been asking for for years. So now people are now like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. <laughs> Guys, we've needed this for years. It's happening. Just buckle up and enjoy. Tree huggers, listen, we planted a little garden of, like, jack-o'-lanterns surrounding the tree. And y'all can fight in harmony because we need each other. And for it's like both teams yeah both sides absolutely need each other jackie without Teresa probably doesn't have much this season Teresa without jackie doesn't have much this season um but we are truly blessed and i'm so appreciative (laughs) for that and ladies this was a pleasure i need to have you back asap asap i'm obsessed with you both i'm like dying (laughs) for the energy can you um, tell me your small business satchel, a, a company that means a lot to you in your area? And guys, send me your small business satchels at andysgirlsshow at gmail.com. More info on what we're looking for in the show notes for this episode. What's your small business satchel? Mine is for a company called Lemon Squeezy. The at handle is at KC Lemon Squeezy. It's sensory kits for your children. Um, if you've never purchased one of those, it's amazing. It kills off time. It's a woman-founded fun- business. It's locally local to me in Kansas City, and it's new. And I want to support her and give her a shout-out. Or satchel. I love that. Oh, my God. I love. Okay. Love, love, love. Abby, what's yours? I love that you're doing this. This is such a great idea. Mine is Glow Campbell Company. Um, it is a mom of two in St. Louis. And she's been running this candle company for a while. They smell delicious. There's all different types of smells. They are like hand poured organic candles. You can go to Glow Candle at Glow Candle Co. Um, you can order them. She just got her own storefront here in St. Louis. She's just a hustler. And plus, I mean, these candles smell delicious. Who doesn't love a good candle? Who doesn't love a good candle? Um, love that small biz satchel. And mine is one of my all-time favorite companies. Siete. They are in a Mexican-American family-owned and operated business, small business based in South Texas. They are mission-driven and all focused on making great food, gathering together in a community and advocating for healthier lifestyles um, among families uh, all over the country and especially in the Latino community. I'm obsessed with them. When I got sick in 2017, I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Because I have to be on this, like, restrictive medical diet. And I found Siete, and I was like, I'm good. Oh, my God. Their stuff is so good. You don't even know it's, like, healthy. That's the thing is that, like, I know people who could give a shit about being gluten-free who are like, guys, I cannot tell you. As a foodie, like, I, you don't lose that even when you have, like, a small, slightly different field of choices. Everything they sell is awesome, and they are incredibly just consistently rad company in every single way. I die for their almond tortillas. I die for their um, churro strips. They just launched Kettle Cook Chips. I tried Fuego yesterday. I I went Fuego. I lost my fucking mind. (laughs) All of their products are amazing, and they're paleo-approved, gluten-free, vegan refined sugar free soy free they've got chips they've got um uh sauces they've got tortillas they are they if you sign up for their email list you get 20 percent off they do these small batch stuff where it's like exclusive little tastes of different products before they um are launched nationally i order from their website and i also get them at the whole foods in my neighborhood um i'm obsessed with them i've loved them for years And I just highly encourage supporting the small businesses that have been here for us, who we have all loved, um, because they need us now more than ever. And it honestly makes me feel good when I'm giving my money to people who I feel like are doing good, not only in their community, and CHA is very, very community driven, but also run by a family you know it was created because the co-founder and president got sick she got an autoimmune um illness and was like i don't know what i'm gonna do what i'm gonna eat and her family rallied around her and they now have this successful fucking incredible i don't know what i would do (laughs) okay i didn't know that story i didn't know that's how it's i knew it was a family i will say i don't have any like dietary restrictions for medical purposes have great taste but like i'm gonna say like it is so good like i had the chips at a party i'm like oh my god where'd you get these had no i bought a bag had no idea until i started reading it while consuming them that it was even 
like vegan, gluten-free. Like, I mean, it's just, it's so good. And I love the story. I didn't know though it started because she got sick. That's awesome. It's incredible what they have been able to do. And as a family, they like rallied with her and they all, I think, went on like some sort of elimination diet with her too. And it's just, it just makes you feel honestly, like when I look on their Instagram, it makes me happy. (laughs) Everything about them makes me happy. So guys, I'm going to include info about all three of our small biz satchels with gold in the show notes for this week's episode. I want to give a shout out to Cassie in North Carolina who won the Bravo Bundle merch giveaway on Instagram and announced a very special giveaway that people who follow me on Instagram have already seen. Which is uh, a little bit of a collab with our favorite Summer House stars, Kyle and Amanda, where you can win the Loverboy Spritz Variety Pack. I am obsessed. I have to tell you what the bottles alone, the merch, the graphic design, the eleganzia, the all of it. I'm obsessed with. You can win the entire variety pack of the Loverboy Spritz. It's so easy to enter. You like and save uh, the post on my Instagram at Dame Galley. Follow Drink Loverboy and myself. Tag three Bravo friends in one comment and enter as many fucking times as you want. Um, it's going until next Wednesday. So go to my Instagram at Dame Galley and enter now. I want to win. And I can't because I'm leaving. You start creating like Finstas. You're like, oh. Right. I know. I need to create a Finstas <laughs> called like I love Loverboy. Yeah. Pick me, Sarah. Um, and don't worry. I It's literally a random number but if one of you guys wins one of the andy Spurs listeners because this is open to ages and non ages alike on instagram i do expect you to mail me a uh, can that would be great and i would like the pink can followed by the periwinkle and then the tangerine i just and want the ca- empty cans from the winner can you just send me right? your empty cans they're so pretty I mean, talk about a college moment when like some people would use like cans as like a fucking i did that whatever. Let's bring it back. Wait, I took it a step <laughs> above because me and my roommates were just your classic poor college kids. We had like a space in between at our apartment, you know, like cabinets in the ceiling. There's like a little bit of a space. And if we thought there were fancy like wine bottles or beer bottles that we liked, we thought it was cool that that was our decor. I mean, I'm into it. I still save corks. I save all my corks I, too. I think that's important because yeah. it's a memory. Yeah. Opening a bottle of something. I saw somebody who used to write like the like where they were like the date and like what the occasion oh, was. That's super cute. Now I feel immediately. Bad I know, that I don't do that, but that feels like a lot of effort. And I don't have time for it. I need to drink. I know, and like sometimes I'm like, oh god, like bottle four. Do you really remember what the occasion was? <laughs> you know. <laughs> do we really need a memory yeah. that this was the fourth bottle but, as well? Like, why do I have so many bottles? I'd say like eleven thirty p.m. Yeah, on, I don't know February fourteen or something. Um, listen, I am obsessed with you and Vanessa and Real Moms of Bravo. Where can people follow you on Instagram and listen to the pod? Yes. Thank you so much for having us on. You can follow us on Instagram at Real Moms of Bravo. Our podcast is Real Moms of Bravo. And you can listen to us anywhere where you're listening to Andy's Girls right now. Amazing. Thank you both so much for coming on. Guys, I have a new Patreon episode up on the Andy's Girls Patreon, um, unpacking 10 long-form satchels of gold that have been sent to me by you, the listeners. So sign up for Patreon, patreon.com slash Andy's Girls. Starts at $2 a month. You could even co-host on a Patreon episode yourself if you level up to the people's people's couch. And it's my birthday, the day that you guys are listening to this Saturday. So wish me a happy birthday by signing up to the Patreon and or sliding into my Venmo because it's the international day of Sarah, a.k.a. lots and lots of sass. Um, I hope you guys have a great day, great weekend, great time celebrating me by giving me your cash money. Abby and Vanessa, thank you so much for being here on AG, and you need to come back ASAP. Uh, done. And you're coming on ours, too. We can't wait. Oh, done. I'll see you in like five Okay, minutes. sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Um, thank you again. Everybody double mask, and we'll talk to you soon.